Scared to Death is explicit in every way. Please take care while listening. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no home, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hey, Dan. I'm Lindsay. You're the crystal farmer. <laughs> I'm over here You're having... cracking yourself up. <laughs> I'm laughing so hard. Okay, so I'm wearing my overalls. And then right before the show, I was huh? like, oh my God, Dan, I'm a crystal farmer. And then mm-hmm. I just started filling my pocket with crystals. And I just kept going just and harvesting. going and going. I just was having the best time over here. And then I was laughing so hard, I almost started to cry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, get get your laughs out now because okay. one of these stories I'm going to tell you, I think, is maybe going to bring you tears of fear. Okay. Well, I'm protected now. You're going to need it. You're going to need it for one of these stories I got for you. Okay. Oh. Uh, c- a couple quick announcements while the crystal farmer harvests her crystals. Uh, and then we'll get into the scares. Uh, new merch in the Bad Magic store this week. Uh, thanks to everyone who picked up a copy of the Fan Stories Collection Volume 3. No idea how that has gone since we recorded this one quite a bit in advance. But um, let's just say well. Let's, let's just say, just say well. so well. And and you still have like six more days. Yeah. If you listen to this right when it comes out. Uh, can't wait to get those uh, in your hands. We decided to release the cover art as a cool landscape wall canvas because, well, we love it because Logan did a great job. He's, he's pretty as, okay at what he does. He's pretty good. Pretty uh, okay. In case you haven't seen it, the piece features a trio of red cloaked figures making their way through an eerie forest you can also now get the cover art on a black tee head on over to badmagicmerch.com and check it all out and then you have a uh august patreon donation announcement which of course the total is to be determined which mm-hmm. at this point i think everyone's used to us yeah. saying so i think you know it's just awesome that you guys continue to support us mm-hmm. to allow us to make these donations uh this month's charity donation is going to be going to camp easton the boy scout camp here in Coeur camp easton is where we're going to be having wet hot bad magic summer camp and while visiting the camp on several occasions, I got to know some of the staff and I got to yeah. hear about some of the needs that they have out there. And we just thought it was such a great place to donate to because we're about to go out there. Mm-hmm. And by the time you hear this, it's going to be like two weeks, three weeks, maybe, depending yeah. on the way the dates fall. And we are going to go out there and we're going to show Camp Easton what a good time really looks like. And so I think they're going to be grateful for our donation after we leave, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're going to need it. Uh, well, hopefully it'll help uh, keep them around yeah. if we uh, use them again in the future. Absolutely. Uh, how many stories? I know you had four last week. How many do you have today? Well, Dan, I'm just back to two. Okay. Just two. Two is still good? Two, but yeah. my first story, a couple of quick hitters from one person. So I have I have two stories from one person. Yeah. So kind of keeping in that theme that you enjoyed of smaller stories as mm-hmm, opposed to mm-hmm. bigger. Uh, that person shares a story of possible astral projection. Okay. Which I, uh, it's a really great story and it left me kind of like scratching my head. Mm-hmm. And then also some possible premonitions from that person. And then my second story, an animal ghost. We haven't had one of those in a while. All right. Yeah, we haven't. Yeah. So you have two, but kind of three. Two slash three. Yeah. Uh, love your overalls, by the way. Very cute. I I know. Dan's obsessed with him. I'm going to have to stay far away from him today because he <laughs> thinks I'm the 
Uh, I have my normal two, and I don't want to set expectations too high, but the first one uh, scared the shit out of me. Scared me more than any story has scared me in a while. Uh, Almost had to stop working on it last night because I was just getting freaked out. And then this morning when I worked on it during the daylight, I was still giving me goosebumps, which is very rare. Okay, okay. So maybe just me, but we'll see. Um, It's a story about what seems to be a particularly deadly cursed object, and I don't want to spoil it with any more info than that. Uh, a random tale from a random forum, no real documentation with it, uh, doesn't seem to show up anywhere else. Second story I'm telling shows up all over the place. Uh, the lore of the Toronto Tunnel Monster. Does a cryptid, or multiple cryptids, do they dwell in the elaborate and massive system of tunnels that lie beneath Toronto? Interesting. Mm, yeah, it's just interesting to learn about that tunnel system. It is gigantic. Did it make you want to sing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Ooh, it didn't, Teenage but they could be totally down there. Yeah, it's turtles like, on the half shell. <laughs> Turtle power. It, I think it's actually, I think it's, it might even be a bigger system than uh, the, than what is under New York. Now, oh yeah, Teenage Mutant Turtles. They, they were in New York. Mm-hmm. I got really excited for one second where I was like, oh my god, it was in Toronto. I no. never knew that. No, I'm an idiot. It was in New York. They like that New York pizza. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Who, who's your turtle? Uh, I can't remember. It's been too long now. But it was. Um, I think it was Donatello, uh, or maybe Leonardo. Who is but, the purple but, one? No idea. It's there been was way Ra- too long. Raphael was red. Leonardo was blue. Yeah, I think there was Michelangelo, right? Maybe Michelangelo. I liked the purple guy because my mom's favorite color was purple. Uh, so mm-hmm. purple all, guy. All led by, I believe it was Splinter, the rat. <laughs> the giant rat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you ready uh, to uh, dive in and get creep the fuck out? There's no setup. So you got to show oh, your boy. socks now. And okay. then we go straight into the scares. These are OG socks. The thing about these socks is that I have about 17 pairs of these because they came in like a bundle and multiple people sent them. So you're not seeing repeat because I just took the label off of this guy. Okay. All right. Nice. Okay. Let me get my blanket because I'm already feeling anxious. Yep. Cutesy time's over. Oh, no. My stomach's already going crazy. This isn't, this isn't going to help it. Please don't scare the you know what out of me. <laughs> the shit? Yeek! <laughs> Listen, get the fuck out, Queen. What are you doing getting LPG over there? No, 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 no. I just don't like to talk about bodily functions. You know that. All right. Time now for the tale of the succubus. We knew that one of the previous owners had died in the home before we bought it. In California, your realtor legally has to tell you if a death occurred in the home in the previous three years. And they also have to disclose any known deaths that occurred in the home uh, that they know of if you ask them. And our realtor knew of a lot. She said a man, one of the previous owners, had died about six months earlier of a heart attack, dropped dead in the hallway. A husband, father of three. He was young, late 30s. And the house was now for sale because his wife had wanted, well, widow had wanted, understandably to move away from what were now painful memories. After our realtor told us about his death, we asked if she knew of any others. Immediately, gauging by the shit, here we go again, look on her face, we could tell she knew of several. And she sure did. Prior to the previous owners, who had lived in the home for just under a dozen years, there had been a murder-suicide. A childless couple in their 40s had lived in the home for about three years when the man shot his wife one night, then turned the gun on himself shortly thereafter. Their bodies were discovered by the house cleaner in the hallway the next morning. I asked if there had been a suicide note. And I could tell before she answered that our realtor wished she didn't have such integrity, that she'd be okay with omitting certain details that she did in fact know. But she seemed to be a very honest person. Definitely can't blame her for not wanting to let us know uh, what we'd be getting ourselves into if we made an offer, though. She shied, She sighed and said something to the effect of, he did leave a note, a very short one. It only said, 
I'm sorry. This is the only way I could join her, and I have to join her. Creepy, right? Apparently this couple, outwardly, got along beautifully. Many of their friends thought they were the ideal couple. No family members could recall any instances of abuse or menace in the past of either person. No one could recall ever seeing them get into a fight. Their friends, families, coworkers, neighbors, everyone who knew them were all totally shocked, apparently. I asked if there were any more deaths before that, and she cringed. Yes. One. The original owner. Only three different families had ever lived in the house. It was a newer home built in 1997. The original owner of the four-bedroom, five-bath, two-story house was a single guy. Young guy. Maybe only 30 when he first moved in. He lived there for almost five years. He was maybe engaged when he first moved in. The realtor couldn't remember for sure what a neighbor had told her. And he seemed to become afflicted with some sort of mental illness in the final months of his life. He'd become quite the hermit, barely leaving the house, speaking with neighbors less and less as time went on. And he became weird. Then he hanged himself downstairs (gasps) in the hallway. All four died in that hallway, it seemed. Yep. After learning all of this, we still put in an offer. Oh, you idiots. We were so foolish. We just wanted the house so bad. Other than these deaths, other than every grown man living in the home dying, the house was everything we wanted. We planned on trying to start having children soon, and the house was close to a great public elementary, an awesome junior high, and a top-rated high school. It was walking distance from the grade school, and only a short bike ride from the junior high. It seemed so ideal. Close to a great grocery store, some nice parks, even a little retail strip with some good restaurants, a few bars, and a couple of cute random shops. The yard was plenty big enough for a dog or two. It had a new fence around it, and we loved the floor plan. A great big kitchen that flowed into both the backyard and the living room. And also, despite what we were hearing, my husband, let's call him Jake, and myself, I'll go by Rosie, we both just felt drawn to it. So we made an offer, a low offer. Even though the market was hot, we had a feeling that there weren't a lot of other offers, if any, coming in. We agreed to let fate decide. If our low offer, 40000 below asking, were to get accepted, we were meant to live there. Obviously, our offer was accepted. If not, why would I be posting this? We moved in a month later. And at first, nothing in the home really felt off, except the end of the hallway where the original owner had hanged himself, where everyone had died, apparently. We didn't think of that, uh, we didn't think any of that at first. I mean, knowing what we knew, of course it felt off. It felt colder there than anywhere else in the house. And the full-length mirror at the end of the hallway just creeped us both out. We both confessed that we couldn't help but wonder if that mirror was there when the first guy kicked his chair over. I know that sounds heartless, but wouldn't you wonder the same thing? Wouldn't your mind's eye maybe play that out for you? Where you would see him swinging there, watching his own final moments play out in that mirror? Morbid, I know. I didn't want to imagine that. I just did. And I felt like, and I know how crazy this sounds, but I feel like the mirror wanted me to imagine that. That maybe it wasn't my imagination, that the mirror or something in it was showing me that. But I blew these feelings off and told myself that knowing what we knew about what happened in the house, of course the hallway was making us think crazy things. A few weeks later, we found out something else unpleasant about the house that our realtor did not tell us. She probably didn't know or didn't believe it. A next-door neighbor, an older gentleman, let's call him Hank, who lived there along with his wife for over 30 years, I'll call her Teresa, had lived there since there was just an empty lot where her house now sat. And he said that the house was haunted. I laughed when he told me that, but then I stopped when he didn't laugh back. I'd spoken to him several times before, and he never came across as the afraid of ghosts and things to go bump in the night type. And prior to what my husband and I would go through, I'd never believed in any of that stuff either. 
I don't know what I believe now. Hank told us that in the month leading up to the first owner's death by suicide and the second owner's murder-suicide, and even the most recent owner's random heart attack, the behavior of all the men living in the home had changed significantly. He said they each developed the same bizarre smile, almost sinister, smug, like they knew an important secret you didn't, like they were better than you for knowing it. And something about their eyes gave him the heebie-jeebies, as he said. Their eyes seemed cold, heartless somehow, even if their words and actions didn't match them. And they didn't match them. He said that was the creepiest part. It was like they were suddenly wearing a mask. They might be telling you that they were mad about another sprinkler head busting or irritated about the weather, or they might be talking about how work was going great, or their kid finally just hit a home run in baseball, whatever. It didn't matter. Their eyes, their smile, they showed that they could care less about what they were saying, that they were thinking about that secret. I'm not sure what I said in reply to Hank. It might have just been, uh-huh. I remember thinking that he was nuts. A couple months after hearing that from Hank, I don't know, maybe three, five, six months later, I experienced my first real what-the-fuck moment in that house. I woke up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. And I was coming back to bed. I noticed that Jake wasn't in our room. It was almost four in the morning. I might have just gone back to bed if he had some history of not being able to sleep through the night, but he didn't, not at all. He'd never been a midnight snack kind of guy or even struggle with insomnia. I couldn't recall a single previous time when he was up like that and wasn't really sick. And if he'd been really sick, he would have been in the bathroom where I just came out of, but he wasn't there either. So I went to look for him. And I bet you can guess where I found him. He was downstairs, standing at the end of the hallway, staring at that mirror. And I could have sworn when I first made it downstairs that I saw movement in that mirror, movement that I didn't see in the hallway. Maybe. I wasn't too focused on the mirror. I was very focused on Jake. He looked like he was lost in a dream, like he was sleepwalking, but I'd never known him to sleepwalk either. His eyes were open, but it didn't appear as if he were awake. He looked completely lost in a daze. Jake? I called out. Oh, oh, hey, Rosie. Shit, uh, where am I? What am I doing down here? It seemed like I'd startled him. I also distinctly remember feeling like he acted as if I'd caught him doing something he wasn't supposed to. I think he maybe even blushed. I remember thinking that was so weird. Why would I be upset with him for sleepwalking down to the mirror and staring at it in the middle of the night? I asked him if he was having some crazy dream and he said no, nothing he could remember. But he said it all too quickly. Again, like he was hiding something. His reactions were so confusing. But it was the middle of the night, easy to write it all off as both of us just being tired. We went back to bed and other than me teasing him a bit the following morning and then him saying, I know, so weird, right? I barely remember it. Stuff like that. We didn't really discuss it. And there wouldn't have been much to discuss, but a week or so later, it happened again. Same thing. I woke up to use the bathroom, noticed he wasn't in bed, and then this time, before using the bathroom myself, I went downstairs quietly, thinking I'd find him standing in front of that mirror again, and that's exactly where he was. And this time, what I saw scared the shit out of me. I definitely saw a blur of movement from within the mirror, and it didn't come from Jake. He was standing perfectly still again in front of his own reflection. Just for a millisecond, I saw what looked like a woman's long flowing hair behind her before it trailed out of view. And I wondered if she had been standing there just a moment before. No, I didn't wonder. In the moment I first saw all this, when I came down the stairs, I knew she'd just been standing there. But not in the hallway, just in the mirror. And then of course my mind began to pick it apart what I'd just seen, what I'd felt. Jake! I yelled. He snapped out of his trance again, mostly. Once again, he looked like I'd caught him doing something he wasn't supposed to. And then this time, just for a moment or two, he flashed a weird little smile that made me think of Hank talking about those guys who lived here before. 
but then it was gone by the time Jake spoke. Whoa, what the hell? How, how did I end up here again? Something was off about how he was saying what he was saying. It was like he knew he should feel concerned about ending up in the hallway staring into that mirror in the middle of the night, but he wasn't. We went back to bed, and when he cuddled up against me for the first time ever in our relationship, I felt my skin crawl. Jake consistently seemed different following that night. Now, every time I'd wake up between about two and five, I expected him to be downstairs, and he usually was. And for weeks, I didn't even go downstairs to check on him. I was too scared. I felt silly to be scared, but I was. I was convinced if I went down there, I would see more of something I really didn't want to see. I talked to Jake about seeing a doctor, maybe getting some sleeping pills or something. But he said he didn't feel tired, and he didn't look tired. He told me he was probably just having some recurring dream, some dream he claimed he didn't remember, but I knew he was lying. He said it would pass any night now, and then he'd go back to normal, no big deal. And I knew he was lying about that, too. His face. His face was changing. Little by little, a creepy smile would show up more and more on his face. His eyes would seem dark and distant in moments more and more often as well. And all this wasn't just in my head. Hank saw it too. I didn't tell him anything about what was going on. He saw it for himself. He called out to me one day when I was in the backyard pulling some weeds. Rosie! Rosie! He stood on his side of the fence and waved me over. I knew he was going to say something about Jake. Hey, Hank, what's going... It's happening again, he cut me off. I can see it in his eyes. That same look, that same smile. You don't have a lot of time. I teared up. I was so damn scared and confused and I just felt helpless. Who was I supposed to talk to about my husband looking into a mirror in the middle of the night? Smiling a weird smile, looking different? What do I do? I asked. Get the fuck out. You get the hell out of this house and you don't come back, he said. And soon, he added, sell it, lose money on it, burn the goddamn thing down to the ground. Whatever you do, do it quick. I was, then about to tell him about the, I was then about to tell him about the mirror, ask if I should break it, when he suddenly looked past me, and the color left his face. I whipped my head around and it was Jake. He was staring at Hank from inside one of the windows in our living room, and he looked fucking terrifying. His smile was so sinister, so unnatural, and his eyes, God, they were cold. It looked like he wanted to kill Hank, like he would kill Hank if he could get away with it. And he didn't say anything, just stared. Get out before it's too late. Hank whispered before he hurried back inside his house. I heard him quickly lock the door behind him. I wish we would have heeded his words, but what could I have done? I couldn't just kidnap Jake and force him out of the house. He wouldn't listen to me. Things escalated so quickly after that. That night, I avoided Jake as much as I could. His new smile and stare were stuck on his face now. I hated to be near him. Thoughts of that murder-suicide kept floating into my head. Was the look I was seeing the same look that poor woman saw before her husband shot her? I went grocery shopping, took my time doing so, took my time putting everything away too, and then stayed downstairs to read a book when Jake went to bed. I stayed downstairs until I fell asleep on the couch. I didn't want to be in the same bed as him. I fell asleep thinking of what I could do to get us out of this. I decided I need to talk to one of his family members, hopefully his dad, talk him into coming out to stay with us quickly so they could see how he was changing, so they could help me. And then I woke up to the sound of Jake walking down the stairs in the middle of the night. He walked down the hall to the mirror, of course, once I could no longer hear him moving, I slowly climbed off the couch. I quietly walked in my socks to the end of the hallway where I could peek around the corner and see both Jake in the mirror. And when I looked, my heart froze. It was just light enough to see Jake, the mirror, and in the mirror, a woman caressing Jake's reflection. Her hands were on his chest, her lips on his neck. In the hallway, he was standing still, not moving. In the mirror, his reflection was writhing with hers, like they were lovers about to have sex. She whispered something into his ear that I couldn't hear, and then she stared past Jake in the hallway and right into my eyes. 
She screamed and pointed at me as Jake's reflection now stared at me too. And then the real Jake turned around in the hallway, except it wasn't the real Jake. It wasn't the Jake I knew. It was whatever this thing had turned him into, and he was coming for me. Oh, I fuck. screamed and ran for the front door, screaming the whole way. It felt like it took forever to turn the deadbolt as I heard Jake's footsteps coming for me, quickening their pace. I flung the door open, waiting to feel his hand on my shoulder, or for him to grab a fistful of my hair and pull me back, but he didn't. And I pushed the screen door open and ran across the porch, still screaming out into the yard, Rosie! Rosie, run here! It was Hank. He was on his porch, waving me over. Run quick! I ran faster than I'd ever ran before in my entire life. I ran out past my front gate, over to his front gate, flung it aside, and sped up onto his porch and into the front door he opened for me. He slammed it shut behind us and locked it as his wife, Teresa, entered the living room. Jake slammed into the door a moment later. Oh, shit. Come home, Jake yelled. I have to join her. We both join her. Call the police, Teresa. Call him now, Hank commanded, and Teresa grabbed the phone and dialed. Jake slammed himself against the door, still smiling that smile, and then ran back over and into our house. The police showed up about 20 minutes later. He'd never come back out. They came over to Hank's house first, and I told them that Jake had seemed to have lost his mind, and I was scared that he chased me to the neighbor's house and pounded on the door. I did not tell them about the mirror. They would have thought I lost my mind. They went to our house a few minutes after they arrived and knocked on the door. No answer. Oh, no. I didn't have any keys with me and couldn't let them in. I did give them permission to kick the door down. I was scared, but not for me now, for Jake. They entered the house, guns drawn. I told them we didn't own guns, and I didn't think Jake was armed. I also told him no one else was in the home. I lied a bit there. There was someone else, or something else. That lady. Five or so minutes later, an ambulance showed up. Two EMTs raced inside the house with a stretcher. One of the officers came back outside a minute or so later. Based on her body language and expressions, I knew exactly what she was going to say, and I started to cry. Jake was dead. He'd hanged himself. Where? I asked, knowing what she was going to tell me. In front of the broken mirror at the end of the hallway, she said. Broken? I asked. Apparently, it seemed that Jake had kicked it, one of his final acts. Maybe part of him wanted to try and stop whatever was happening. Then the officer asked, Are you sure there was no one else in the home? And I'd noticed, despite my fresh shock and grief, that she looked scared and pale, like she'd just seen a ghost. No, I lied. No, no one else. Why, did you see someone? I thought I saw a reflection... She trailed off. No. She recomposed herself. No, I didn't see anyone. But she did. She saw her too. I knew it in my bones. She saw her too. I never spent another night in that house. I slept, if you could call it sleep, in Hank's guest room that night. The next morning, he walked me over and I gathered some stuff to take to a hotel where I could make funeral arrangements. I quickly put the house back up for sale. And also, after telling Hank everything that had happened, I did one more thing. Well, we did one more thing. Hank grabbed his sledgehammer, and in the middle of the day when the sun was shining bright, he, Teresa, and I all walked over to my old home. Since it seemed to go only after men, Hank stayed in the living room. He told me to be quick. He'd be right there if I needed him. And I walked straight down the hallway, Teresa watching, and without hesitation, I swung that sledgehammer and shattered that mirror while I screamed, Fuck you! And the mirror screamed back. We all heard it. And the moment before the hammer hit the mirror, I saw her face, that bitch in the mirror. She looked furious. She looked scared. And maybe, just maybe, I saw some shadows behind her. Maybe some men. I think one of them might have been Jake. And then she, they, all of them, were shattered into hundreds of pieces. I hit that mirror over and over again. Once it was totally obliterated, we swept up the pieces into a garbage bin. Then we took that bin out, on, took that bin out onto Hank's boat, and we dumped the pieces, little by little, across a deep lake an hour's drive away. I still don't know what that lady was, and I don't want to know. I know that she killed my husband, at least three other men, and I know that I'll probably have nightmares of seeing her in the mirror behind my own reflection for the rest of my life, 
and that's more than enough. <sighs> that was something. It's a ride. Ooh. It's water. Really I did not think Jake was going to die. I had, I was holding out hope that she was going to get him out of there and that there was not going to be yet again, another death of another man in that house. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. Yeek. Ooh, that, ooh, boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. I, mm, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. 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 Each wawa. Hijiwawa, did you get a little teary eyed? I did. Sometimes, like when I um, in speaking with like more like like the building, the, the pace. Yeah. It, it gives it like in so many stories, it's like a um, instinctual like uh, a mode of reaction. I don't. I, I, like I'm a like, knee jerk reaction. Yeah. Like I don't even know. Like even if it's not like a sad part of the story, but like the intensity. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It just makes me um feel more like emotions. Do you think that's more like adrenaline since, or something? More since you started doing psychedelics. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. You're more open. Mm-hmm. Be careful. It's really exhausting. <laughs> I could tell you. Yeah, oh, maybe. Look at that story. Whew. I was just thinking, like, we have that mirror. I'm sweaty, too, now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeek! Uh, that mirror at the bottom of the steps, mm. like by that console table. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about how scary it would be to just see you standing there in oh front of God. that mirror. I feel... Just I'm in the gonna days. cleanse the house when I get home. I, I, I might start covering the mirrors for a little while again. I was into that for a little bit, but <laughs> yeah. now that's a really scary story. That terrifying possibility that some like demony thing could be living there and like living in the mirror and getting and, lure and you luring, in, luring men to their deaths. Holy hell! And Jake would have killed Rosie if he would have yes, gotten sure her. Sure, seemed like it for mm-hmm. sure, just yeah. based on the pattern of the last guy. Mm-hmm. Of the murder-suicide. Oh, yeah, the second-to-last guy. Because the most recent guy was the heart attack. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I wondered if that, if, like, because they found him in the hallway. And, mm-hmm. like, maybe he fought. And I think he lived there longer than the other one. So maybe he was able to resist. Or maybe the way it selects people, who knows. <sighs> but then um, I don't think it was coincidence that he happened to die there. No, not at all. Oh, man. I really, really, really am mad at them for making an offer on that house. Yeah, that was a Darren move. If, I wrote like, that down. That was a very Darren move. Yeah, if there's like if there's been three owners of a previous of, of a house, you know, like only three, yeah, and all three of the owners, like uh, the men died. I yeah. mean, also that one time with the woman too, but the mm-hmm. men died uh, in fr- like in the same area of the house, especially. Mm-hmm. Oh man, no way, no, no way. way. No I mean, way. maybe coincidence, but that's one hell of a coincidence. Like, one hell of a quinky dink. Yeah. The thing is, is that people obviously die in houses all the time. Right. So I'm not even necessarily opposed to the idea of like, okay, you know. It's really, it's a really difficult market. Yeah. I mean, it's always difficult to buy a house. Yeah. And then, you know, whatever year that was, but it's like the complications. Yeah, sounds pretty recent. Yeah, it's like, you know, market's on fire. Okay, I under, I do understand. I'm not ignorant to that. Yeah. One death. You get one. <laughs> you don't get three in a row. There's only been three owners and all three of them have died in and the young. hallway. And also It'd be different like, if they were older. It's uh, all passed away of natural causes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that too. But then that makes me think of the nursing home story that you told not that long ago mm, it's yeah. like natural causes you don't know yeah, but yeah. but also why is the mirror still there that's sort of an interesting thing because okay mm. in real estate this is from my tiny 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 baby stint so i'm not like some expert pro here but there is a thing and i don't know if it's the same everywhere but it's like you get to keep everything that's attached for instance if you uh had like a storage system in your garage because mm-hmm. I made this mistake. And you don't call it out in the um, 
the listing yeah. that, that it's not included, it's uh, automatically included when things are attached. So I suppose that goes for mirrors. Yeah. I wonder if like, even if it was like subconscious or like people just were like, that's just yeah, leave whatever. it here. Yeah. 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 But I'm like just- it was pulling on them. But I'm just thinking if I'm the realtor- Selling that li the listing agent. Mm -hmm. So you're the one selling the house. And I know the history of it. And I know that people keep dying in this hallway. I want to believe that I would think like, oh, that mirror's got to go. What if you went to go grab it though? And just an overwhelming sense of fear came over you. And you're like, you that's know what? True. I'll just leave it. Yeah, that's a total <laughs> possibility. Because we didn't yeah. hear from the realtor in this situation. Uh, yeah. Dang. about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oof. Uh, no pics accompany this story, but there's a ton of uh, scary woman in the mirror photos. I bet there are. I found to uh, help add to everyone's nightmares. Okay, cool. So here's the first okay, one. that's great. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was what she looked like. Uh-huh. <laughs> Next one. You got to look at it at least for a second. I, I looked at the first one for a second. Okay. That is weird because it's like... Uh, yeah, like you can't really see the face. and then mm -hmm. with the hand. Yep, hand coming out of the mirror. Okay. One more just for funsies. Face totally blurred in the eye, like it's trying to push its way out, out of the mirror. Uh-huh. Yikes. Are you done now? Yep. Okay. I really thought that that was going to be like your chance to pull one of your fast ones on me. And then it was going to be like a picture of me taking a picture of myself like in the mirror or something. <laughs> I know. I haven't done one of those in a while. I got to like uh, lull you into more complacency. Uh, that that would have been it. You would have got me. <laughs> because I'm just doing little. <laughs> Side glances. Dang, dang, dang. I also can't, I know that she became afraid of him. Yeah. But I just want to believe that if that was us, I mm. would ask you to go away for a weekend. And then maybe have an intervention. Like, well, just see uh, how yeah. you do away from the house. Because if right. I could get you away from the house, then maybe you mm. wouldn't be, the, the the succubus wouldn't have the hold on you that it has when you're in the house. I mean, I don't know how far reaching its powers are. I don't know if they're in a trance. I don't know if they're cursed. Like if it sticks with you, if you're not in the house, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. All that said, I mean, I did write down like, take a weekend away. Like she, I mean, she had considered calling his family. Yeah, she considered that right at the end and then things just escalated so fast. Right, I know there is that. Yikes. Yeah. Ready to get the hell away from that horrible story? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Let's move uh, to, uh, from whatever that was, to some cryptids right after a sponsor break. Thanks for listening to our sponsor deals, Creeps and Peepers. Quite a bit of historical setup on this one. Okay, good. I'll take it. I need a breather, man. <laughs> I got to put my crystals back in my farmer pocket. About 6 million people live in the metro area of Toronto, capital of Ontario, Canada, today. And I bet the majority of them don't know the full extent of what lies beneath the downtown sidewalks and buildings many either use or pass through each day, pass by. While indigenous peoples have lived in the area for an untold number of centuries, the modern city of Toronto started off fairly recently as a small settlement of wooden buildings in the late 18th century. And it was built on a lot of water. Streams and rivers cut through the villages. As the city expanded, residents constructed numerous bridges and crossing systems to move around easily from one area divided by water to another. Throughout the 1800s, city planners were constantly dreaming up and enacting various plans of how to build over the streams and rivers to minimize the stagnant water that, as the area grew, was quickly becoming a dumping ground for human waste. The city eventually moved their sewer and sanitation systems underground by the end of the 19th century. This underground system was originally constructed to cover the area's streams and rivers for city expansion above them. New buildings were constantly being constructed over the water. Over time, it also became home to a subway system, covered walkways, in addition to the sewer lines, various pipes for plumbing, power, gas, fiber optic cables, etc., etc. 
Beginning in the early 20th century, additional tunnels were dug underground to connect buildings via walkways to provide cover during cold and rainy, rainy winter months when the temperature regularly drops below zero. Another benefit of these tunnels was to decrease downtown traffic, encourage people to walk instead of drive. Soon, to further encourage non-automotive travel, the subway system was constructed, and then eventually, PATH was created. PATH is Toronto's pedestrian walkway underneath the city. The beginnings of PATH go all the way back to 1900, uh, when the Eaton Company decided to connect their main stores with a bargain shop across the street via an underground tunnel. The next phase of PATH started with the opening of Union Station in 1927, which connected to the Fairmont Royal York on Front Street. There are now more than 125 street entrances to PATH, and about 200,000 pedestrians use it to move quickly throughout the city uh, you know, uh, every, every day. During a building boom in the late 60s and 70s, people wanted even more ways to move between offices underground to avoid the cold. More, tun more tunnels were constructed, and business owners soon saw an opportunity to sell food and clothing to pedestrians. Today, PATH has spread over 19 miles of tunnels wow. that connect more than 70 buildings. It's the largest underground shopping complex in the world, over 4 million square feet of retail space. You can walk to various major tourist attractions as well via PATH, such as the Hockey Hall of Fame, the Air Canada Center, Eaton Center, Rogers Center, Toronto Coach Terminal, various hotels, the CN Tower. PATH has food courts, bookstores, clothing shops, grocery store, and some tunnels you're not supposed to ever wander down. Some of the original tunnels are still open for travel, but most of them are closed off to unauthorized pedestrians. And for years, there have been rumors that these supposedly empty tunnels house a monster. Time now for the tale of the Toronto Tunnel Monster. In March of 1979, reporter Lori Goldstein of the Sunday Sun tracked down a man named Ernest who had quite the strange story. Ernest refused to give his last name to avoid any public embarrassment. So getting his 15 minutes of fame was not his primary motivation for what he disclosed. He told Goldstein, I wish you'd never come here. If I tell you what I saw, people will think I was drunk or crazy. They'll never believe me. Goldstein wrote, There's an eerie city lined beneath the streets of Metro, a city none of us knows much about. Ernest has been a visitor to that silent world of sewers, drainage pipes, and the ruins under old houses. And the memory of what he saw there will haunt him for the rest of his life. In August of 1978, Ernest said he encountered something truly disturbing in the underground space outside his Parliament Street apartment. What he saw would, after Goldstein published his story, soon become known as the Toronto Tunnel Monster. Ernest told Goldstein that he and his wife were caring for a litter of feral kittens in his apartment. One of them went missing, and Ernest, searching for it, ended up in one of Path's old underground tunnels. He said that he eventually found the opening of a cave and crawled inside about 10 feet. Goldstein gave a thorough description of this cave in his article. It is at the bottom of a narrow passage between the building where he lives and the one next door. The only way to reach the tunnel entrance is to clamber 15 feet down the wrong side of a fire escape, which had once served as an exit to the street, but today simply leads to a narrow chamber with walls on four sides. The tunnel entrance runs under a slab of concrete at the foot of the chamber. Inside, there is a narrow passageway, branching off to the left about 10 feet back. In this space, Ernest told the Toronto Sun, I saw a living nightmare that I'll never forget. He said that shortly after he entered the cave, his flashlight shined upon a monster. It was pitch black in there. I saw it with my flashlight. The eyes were orange and red, slanted. It was long and thin, almost like a monkey. Three feet long, large teeth, weighing maybe 30 pounds with slate gray fur. He said that the small creature was more animal than human, about the size of a small child. The creature turned towards Ernest in the darkness and hissed. 
The creature then even allegedly spoke to Ernest, saying, Go away, go away, before running down the tunnel. Ernest then ran in the opposite direction as fast as he could. Adding some possible credibility to the story, Ernest never went to the Sunday Sun himself to report this. The Sun found him after one of Ernest's relatives reached out to them with that story. And then Ernest was reluctant to talk. Barbara, Ernest's wife, told the paper, I believe Ernie. He's, uh, I believe Ernie saw exactly what he says he saw. He was terrified when he came back to the apartment, and he doesn't scare easily. Look, he's been known to have a drink in the past, like most people, and to occasionally tie one on, but he's not a drunk, and he wasn't drinking at all that day. Ernest and the Sun staff went back to the location where he said he spotted this thing in March 1979, and they found the body of a dead cat inside the cave. Ernest told the reporters that he had heard noises of animals in pain coming from the tunnel that previous summer, perhaps suggesting that the monster was snatching them off the street and feeding on them. The passage where he last saw the creature dropped off quickly, went back an unknown distance. It is believed that the tunnel led to a sewer system and that the creature used the cave as a way to access the outside world. It was impossible to travel down this tunnel because the entrance had collapsed recently from the looks of it when the reporter went to investigate. Sewage employees agreed to inspect the tunnel entrance and make sure it remained inaccessible, worried that curious children would attempt to explore and get hurt by falling debris. Rumors regarding the, the Toronto Tunnel Monster, what it might be, went wild after the publication. Many believe Ernest's story. Some theorized the creature was an extraterrestrial and that Toronto was built on top of some kind of alien encampment. Others thought it was a cryptid, like an urban Bigfoot. Some proposed a different explanation, going back to before the area's settlement by Europeans, the Maimagwaishis. The legend of the Maimagwaishi comes from the Ojibwe, Cree, Odawa, Algonquin, Inu, Metis, and Menemone tribes, which tell stories of a hairy humanoid creature that lived in the rivers until they were hidden away. The Maimagwaishi is described as a water spirit found on the banks of waterways. The spirit looks like a small humanoid creature, much like what Ernest described seeing. The Maimagwaishi often likes to prank humans, and they can be both good and evil. Because Toronto's underground houses, uh, because Toronto's underground houses, rivers, and streams, rumors soon circulated that the Toronto monster was actually a hidden Mamagwaishi. According to one website on Indigenous legends, Mamagwaishi are small riverbank river bank dwellings, water spirits. They are generally benign creatures, but sometimes blow canoes astray or steal things when they are not shown proper respect. In some Ojibwe traditions, Mamagwaishi can only be seen by children and medicine people. In others, they can appear to anyone and may help humans who give them tobacco and other gifts. Most often, Mamagwaishi are described as being child-sized and hairy, with a large head and strange voice. Sounds like the whine of a dragonfly. The Cree and Inu describe them as having narrow faces, and some Menominee uh, storytellers have said that they have no noses. Some people believe that their name comes from the Ojibwe word for hairy, since Mamagwaishi are usually described as having hairy faces and bodies. Other people believe that their name is related to the word for butterfly. The Mamagwaishi are thought to be generally harmless, but like to play pranks. Origin stories vary. Some say that they came from the bark of trees. Some legends have them carving symbols on rocks and making canoes of stone. And maybe the Mamagwaishi uh, are not the only secret hidden beneath the surface of Toronto. In the fall of 1908, construction workers digging a tunnel in the Toronto Harbor discovered a possible ancient artifact. Workers came across roughly 100 footprints imprinted in a layer of clay. This artifact was possibly the earliest proof of humans living in the Ontario area. The prints appeared to come from people wearing moccasins. It looked like a family was walking on the path, a man, another set of prints, and one child's footprint. The family may have been walking from their hunting camp on the shore of Lake Ontario to downtown Toronto. 
Ancient people of the area hunted caribou, mastodon, and mammoth, and lived near the lake shoreline. The footprints were believed to be approximately 11,000 years old. Probably. The tunnel workers were in a hurry to complete their job and poured concrete over the clay, destroying any chance for historians to examine the prints. Archaeologists are hopeful that this isn't the only special artifact hidden in the tunnels. Those who believe in cryptids hope that proof for their existence may lay beneath Toronto. Who knows what secrets are down there? One city worker told the Sunday Sun, People who work on the surface just don't know what it's like down there. It's a whole different world. Who would have thought a few years ago that people would live in sewers, and yet that's what they found in New York just a few years back? Another worker speaking to the paper was clearly frightened by what may exist in the city's old tunnels, saying, I don't know what Ernest saw down there. I'll tell you one thing. If we could get in there, I sure as hell wouldn't want to go down there alone. Ugh. It just sounds so dirty. <laughs> yeah, I, I have pictures when you're ready to just no, I'm, to, to visual of this. Yeah, 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 because I, like, I can't wrap my head around it. Uh, I, mean, I mean, I can. I, I get, like, yeah. what, what it could look like, but it just seems so bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, this first one's a picture of one of Toronto's earliest tunnels uh, dating back sometime before 1920. Okay. It's like these big sewer pipes that you walk in. Uh, this is next one's another picture of a tunnel beneath my, Toronto. My eyes wouldn't focus properly mm-hmm. on like the guy in the tunnel. I was like, oh, yeah. what is happening? What is he? What is it? Uh, one more. There okay. are miles and miles of these. Okay. Uh, this is a sketch of what Ernest may have seen, found embedded in numerous articles on the Toronto Tunnel Monster. Ugh. And then there was just seeing anything glowing down there would be so creepy. And there are like, um, yeah, there's those, uh, you know, pics of the old tunnels. And I, I could have included, I probably should have included pictures of the of the nicer areas. I was just going to ask what it looks like, but you wouldn't even think it was underground. Seeing it, it just looks like a mall, L- okay. like food courts and just you know re- big retail shops and stuff. And like you know, uh, is it sort of like when you're in New York and you go to uh, like Central Station? And, you know, there's... Yeah, but it looked more modern. Like, parts of it were like... It looked like a modern mall. Okay. Like, like um, yeah, just based on the pictures, you wouldn't even know that it was underground. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just looked like... Um, I mean, I kind of think about that, like, in some train stations. Although, I guess those aren't really oh, yeah. underground. So, I mean, some are, some aren't. Subway stations, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Above, be- as above, so below. Uh, <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, yeah. What a what a interesting thing. Yeah, I didn't realize that Toronto had that vast, vast underground system of yeah sewer. You know, yeah, big what did sewer you say, pipes. Biggest in the world. Yeah, it's the uh, largest underground shopping area in the world. That's and then so I don't know, cool. I don't know about biggest underground, but it said uh, 19 miles yeah. of, of tunnels and walkways. Four million square feet of retail space. Yeah. That's massive. So much shopping underneath the uh, the city there now. That's like almost as big as our house. <laughs> <laughs> but what a cool thing for downtown. I mean, a lot of it looked, I mean, yeah. and it just sounds like, yes, there's these nice areas. There's all the modern. But then if you were to go like, uh, you know, do not enter here and employee air service tunnels, those sounds like they branch off into other tunnels. And then, you know, like it, it's just, it was built over such a long period of time, over a mm-hmm. hundred years. And they just kept adding. It's like, I don't even know if there is a comprehensive map of all of it. Probably, probably well, the city has it. The city has yeah, it. Yeah, because, I mean, engineers That's and structu- structural engineering, because you can't, mm-hmm. um, I would assume, as a city planner and yeah. the city, you know, handing out permits for these businesses, yeah. you would have to go and inspect and ensure to the best of your ability that by allowing people to come down there, that the infrastructure will support it and people aren't going to be crushed to death by yeah. crumbling tunnels. True. So I'm going to guess there's a master plan. <laughs> True. Somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. But I mean, well, you know, and just like any mall, you know, it's sort yeah. of like you are here. Mm-hmm. So there might be some, 
maybe not as extensive as like, and don't go here and don't go there, but it would have right. some sort of central map of, you know, where the food court is, where Banana Republic is, blah, 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 how to get to Lululemon. I still, I still like to pretend that there's like secret areas. I'm sure there are. Forgotten about. Yeah. Well, forgotten or intentionally avoided. You know, like they're just like, "Uh uh-uh, we don't want anybody to go down there. But that's not to say that it can't be because they're nervous about what's down there. Mm. Not just like, eh, Mm -hmm. that tunnel's especially dingy. (laughs) Right. Or that's the tunnel where the monster lives. Now, I would like to point out before I tell my stories, I have a tiny pocket. Yeah. And it's just like on jeans, like that mm-hmm. little pocket on your right hip is a crystal pocket. That's what they put it there for. This <laughs> Totally. Yeah, the old crystal pocket in jeans. Dude. Mm-hmm. And then you got a crystal pocket built into your overalls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All farmers have crystals. Totally. For mm-hmm. sure. For sure they do. I mean, <laughs> how, how else would they farm? How, how, how else would they be able to grow and harvest crops if they didn't have the help of rocks, you know? This feels uncomfortable. <laughs> um, I'm just excited about my... You were telling the story, but I got real excited. Anybody who's watching probably saw what you go, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I got so pumped when I realized what was happening. Because I was just going to start loading up my pouch again. And huh? then I realized they like clank around and it's right next to the mic. So maybe that's not good. Then I found that guy. It's so great. I'm happy for you. Yeah, it's thank great. you. I got mm-hmm. this guy in there too. Oh, I was so good. I was rubbing this guy on my face like I was doing gua sha, which is like a face technique with, uh, usually with jade. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you seem fascinated. Fascinated by this. Fascinated. Whatever. I I do weird stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Everybody's got their weird things they do. Yep. So one of mine. Ah, you have so many layla's to choose from. And I'm gonna go with this close one. This purple one here is calling to me. Okay. Was she saying your name? Maybe. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's summer camp. We should probably have Layla's. Bring a few out there? Like maybe like we can sell them in the store and then autograph them. Or have Logan take a note. Logan. Looking at some Layla's. I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> bulk. Layla and bulk. I was actually thinking as I was sitting here staring at this, I'm like, <laughs> I was like, how would I find this? I can't just Google squishy Layla. That's not... <laughs> <laughs> what would that bring up in a Google search? Not <laughs> Oof, that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Not that. Somebody's ah. OnlyFans account. Oh, boy. Okay. Astral projection. Okay. Let's talk, talk about, about it. it. Hey, that's pretty <laughs> good. Uh, we, I don't feel like we do a lot of astral projection here. Mm-mm. I mean, both. I don't think I've ever done it. And also, um, it's more like, it, it's less creepy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the, like you know, one of the a great horror movies that dealt with is Insidious, uh, the concept of oh, astral yeah. projection. But it generally, generally, it's not part of the horror realm. It's more part of like New Age mm-hmm. kind of beliefs and things. Meta- uh, would you call that metaphysical? Maybe, maybe. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. People who like, yeah, you can project your consciousness out to other places. Basically, you can travel outside your body and then return to your body. And the kind of premise of Insidious is that like when somebody was like traveling outside of their body, something else got into their body. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like you leave a, a void for mm-hmm. something else to come in and fill it. Yeah. Well, this is, I, I don't know. I just find this to be rather interesting. So we'll have a little astral projection and then uh, a little premonition story. Okay. Okay. Oh, all from the same person. So it all flows together and all centers around uh, one person. Mm-hmm. So maybe they have a lot of capabilities. Hello, King of Creeps and Queen of Peeps. I have discovered your podcast in the last couple of months and have and have since 
listened or watched every episode. I have fallen in love. Thank you for keeping it creepy. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. I do not have any jam-packed long stories, but I do have a couple little tidbits. One is centered around an astral projection incident involving my daughter. This happened many years ago. My daughter was between three and four at the time, and she's now about to turn 23, so it really has been quite some time. I had moved myself and my two young children in with my maternal grandmother. My great-grandmother had recently been in a head-on collision, so she was also staying there. My daughter and my great-grandmother, her great-great-grandmother, became pretty close. My, my daughter always wanted to help grandma. For example, if grandma was getting up to go to the bathroom or such, my daughter would walk behind her and her walker with her hands on grandma's butt, giving her a little push. It was really cute. After grandma was well enough, she went home to her senior independent apartment and things went back to normal. Sometime later, nobody could reach my great-grandma to check on her. My great-uncle went to physically check on her. And upon arrival at the apartment, my uncle found my great-grandma on the floor, half in and half out of her bedroom. She'd had a stroke when she'd gotten up in the middle of the night to go to the restroom. She could not move, so she could not call for help. To everyone's confusion, though, she was lying there, covered up as if someone had tucked her in to sleep. Once she was checked out and was treated, everyone was very curious as to how she had been made comfortable with blankets as she could not have reached them from the floor where she was. Plus, her bed was not a mess, as if it would be if you were to pull blankets off of it while on the floor. So we asked her, how did you get a blanket? And she floored us with her answer and has never ever wavered from it. She told us Sadie, a nickname for my daughter, had covered her because she was cold. Now, there's obviously no way a three-year-old could get miles away to do this. My grandmother and myself, knowing the bond between the two of them, we had to believe my great-grandmother, which only leaves the option that my daughter left her physical body to help her great-great-grandmother in a time of need. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I mean... I mean, it's very sweet. It's very, very sweet. sweet. I know. But uh, what a... I know you want to shit all over it, right? You want to tear it apart? No, I mean, I mean, I'm just you know, with all this stuff, I'm skeptical. But it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to explain it either. No, I, but I wasn't even thinking about that. I was okay. just thinking, you're uh, being nice. I was being nice. I was, I was just thinking how crazy it is if that's a possibility. If you really could project your consciousness, it's just a very different thing. It's like, it's like almost like you, it's almost like turning into a ghost for a little bit. Well, I, <laughs> like I, to go, but then not because then the spirit. If this story is true you know, as they believe it, also, like, moved the blankets, you right, know, like, right. so interacted with the physical world while leaving their physical body. It's just it's just a crazy concept to wrap your head around. Well, yeah, and then it's like, I guess then my question would be, do you get to choose to astral project? Or is it like um, like a subconscious calling to you, and then you your body just goes? Yeah. Does that, does yeah, that question yeah, make yeah. sense? Am I mm -hmm. saying it that does, in a logical way? Yeah. God, I wish, I just so wish that researchers could, like, Get this to work in a lab. Uh, that'd be so cool. Yeah. Because, because that, that's the big problem with everything we talk about here. Mm -hmm. Is it? Is it? None of it has been able to be reproduced in a laboratory setting mm -hmm. yet. And right. I do put the yet qualifier. But man, if if it ever happens, that would just be so exciting. Aren't there um, some sort of military? documents about astral projection i feel like i have an email somewhere from somebody about this they did a, oh, i can't remember the name of the experiment but yeah it was like what was that movie with george clooney that i never even saw but i know it's based on the, the the men who can see, see goats or something about goats in the title 
I have zero idea of what you're speaking oh, about. Man. The men who stare at goats. The men who stare at goats. Thank Good you. Good job, Logan. Thank you. Thank you. And, and it was, I believe, again, I didn't see it, but I'm pretty sure that movie was about this concept where, yes, the military did have some uh, covert operations mm-hmm. that were based on, I think, astral projection wasn't included, but a variety of like parapsychology things, like a variety, like, um, um, the big thing for that one was that there were, and I can't remember the term for this, but when you can see things in other parts of the world, like if you were able to, okay, military-wise. I see what you mean. You're able to pop into Putin's war room mm-hmm. and figure out what he's going to do next. Like a literal fly on the wall. Yep, yep. That You could project like your conscious, not even your conscious, but you could just like see across distance. It's like, I, I can't remember the term for that. I, I really don't like the idea of that because I feel like there's going to be a creep who's going to try and see into our sex life. <laughs> you, you know what? Um, uh, also, Stranger Things. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. The upside girl. down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the main oh, girl, um, like six. Six. Yeah. The, the, the Seven? Were, Eleven. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was a number. Obviously, I need to catch up on that show. We haven't watched the most recent season, and Rose really mad that we're not caught up because she wants to talk yeah. about it. But season one, mm-hmm. you know, it's like with, uh, oh, what is it? Logan might know this too. Is it Matthew Modine who plays the nefarious scientist who's running that government program studying her? I actually don't know that actor's name. Mm. Oh, and how it, dare it, you? Wh- Everyone's fired. Whoever, whoever it is, but it's like that's what they're trying to get Got from it. those kids Got it it. is military usage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have them locked up in mm-hmm. that laboratory. And, and that's what she can do. That's yeah. what, like, the premise is that she can see other places. But astral projection is different than that, I think. Because I your, your your whole consciousness is somewhere else. Yeah. Hmm. It also kind of sounds like deja vu. Where you, no. like, well, like, in the sense that, like, uh, you go somewhere and everything feels so intensely familiar like i have definitely been here i have been mm-hmm. in this place i've had this conversation like maybe I, you projected there before yeah hmm. like i wonder if deja vu is some remnant of astral projection if you didn't know that you projected but then now you're in this space and everything feels way too familiar i don't know i don't know well there you have it well, let's move on to like another little <laughs> yeah, story yeah. from um this this fan jenny who sent this in about her kiddo Thanks for thanks for giving us a, something fun to discuss, Jenny. Yeah, it's all it is always cool to dive into something else because mm-hmm. astral projection, I think, absolutely could go into the paranormal space because what's to say paranormal entities couldn't astral project? Mm-hmm. And like what's because we don't know what's going on in that world. Yeah. So very interesting. Okay. Now a premonition story involving my daughter. Uh, I do not make claims of being a clairvoyant or psychic or any of the such. I generally try to repress any of it. I would rather not know what's coming or what could be. However, one time I wasn't able to ignore it and it shook me so hard. These uh, these premonitions come to me while sleeping and they do seem different than your regular run-of-the-mill dreams. I awoke from a dream hysterically crying. In the dream, I was standing in front of a headstone with my daughter's very unique first and middle name keeping her name private for Mm -hmm. her own sake. Needless to say, that kind of dream is horrifying to any parent. A couple of weeks passed and I was finally shoving it deep down in the back of my mind when I received a phone call that an uncle of mine had passed away unexpectedly. So this really pushed the dream way down because, well, now this was happening. As I prepared to go to the services, I found out that it was going to be held in a mausoleum and I had never been to one, so I actually thought it would be kind of neat to look around afterwards. Once the services were over, my cousins and myself started walking around this place, respectfully exploring. We made it to the Hall of Children's Markers. It was so incredibly sad to see these markers for all of these children. 
and then I saw it. I lost it and I ran out of that place. There was a marker for a little girl with the exact unique first name and Mm. middle name as my daughter, spelled in the exact same way. At the moment, I made the conscious decision to suppress this ability because I never, ever again wanted to feel that way. There you have it. Not juicy, not scary, but (laughs) I hope you enjoyed it. FYI, of my four kids, my daughter from these stories is the child I'm closest to, and this could be the reason why the premonitions usually revolve around her. Thanks for reading, Jenny. Thanks, Jenny. Well, I mean, thank God the premonition was just that she was going to see (laughs) <laughs> this other, like, what, museum? Uh, mausoleum. Mausoleum, mausoleum, yeah. Because yeah. she was in a museum. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's where they bury dead people now. <laughs> but uh, just see this name in a mausoleum as opposed yeah. to what yeah. she was thinking at first, which is where my, my mind would go, but mm-hmm. oh my God, I don't yeah. want to out- outlive my children, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. Worst nightmare. Yeah. But uh, uh, in reading it, uh, and we're not going to share her name, but it was like, it it was a, it wasn't was like Susie Smith or, yeah, you, know, you know, Jackie Lynn. It was just like, Oh, that is particular. Okay, it would be like Monroe because there's not that many Monroes. Like, mm-hmm. You know, it would really, or Kyler even. And then to add their unique middle names. Uh-huh. Yeah. It would mm-hmm. be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uncomfortable. But I wonder what the premonition was about or like what was like that little child trying to get to her? I don't know. It just seems so random. Uh-huh. Like like it doesn't seem like there was anything necessarily uh, significant about it, which is yeah. also just kind of un- just interesting. Like why... Why was I shown this? Mm-hmm. Why was I seeing this uh, when you couldn't know that you were going to see this? Yeah. Well, and then Jenny uh-huh. says that she, you know, has really tried to, which I completely understand, repress any abilities. And But I have to wonder if she were more willing to open herself up if there would have been more. Yeah. Like maybe that person, that child, wanted Jenny to solve her murder. Like who knows yeah, like, what the knows? circumstances were. That's where I kind of took it. Okay. You ready for one more? Mm-hmm. I like those. I like those. I like the... Just random little, like, what's that about? Uh-huh. Mysteries. Yeah, I like that we're balancing out your first story with less terrifying mm-hmm. tales because I am so uncomfortable about that story. Mm-hmm. I cannot get it out of my brain. Just imagining me standing at the oh, front of the mirror at the bottom of the stairs. My God. And giving you a weird little smile afterwards. I know. What would that smile look like if it were you? <laughs> I don't know. I was trying <laughs> That's to. That's just your face. <laughs> I was trying to do it slight. This is why I never did well in auditions. I don't have subtle acting abilities. I did make a note that you should probably be a terrifying character in a horror movie because all you're like, get out, like your creepy voices. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So casting directors, if you're watching, (laughs) we have this next villain for you. If you need just like uh, henchman number two. I feel, like I, I feel like I have a good like that'd be like my typecast or whatever, just like a henchman. Yeah. We just need like or a thug. It's just like just you know, it's a small role, the background where it's just like Don't say any words. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, like maybe like the the lady is running away from like the main villain guy uh-huh. and she thinks she's safe, and then I just pop up in the doorway. And gotcha. You- <laughs> yeah, just something. Yeah. <laughs> Just hear some crazy laugh. <laughs> Perfect. Nailed it. That was okay. a great audition. Okay, good. Okay, one more about a ghost animal, which we haven't had in a really long time. So I like to add this in because why not? Mm-hmm. Hello, Dan and Lindsay. I found your podcast a few years ago and have enjoyed the spooky tales ever since. It is Thank crazy you. to me to say a few years ago that we've been doing it that long. I know. I like it. I have uh, I have had a ghost story that I've been sitting on for about 14 years, but never thought to share it with you because it's not that spooky in the traditional sense. But recently, I heard Lindsay tell a not-so-scary story that made me think it was at least worth submitting to you. Do with it what you will. 
just a little bit about myself. While I have always been open to the thinly veiled people and places, I definitely believed in the possibility. I have never had a ghost story that felt real. Sure, I've gotten spooky feelings, or maybe I've heard something or felt something, but there was always a potential normal reason for those experiences until this one. It only takes one. It all began at a horse breeding farm in Vermont. These horses, or at least the primary stallion we worked with, was insured for over $1 million and was considered for the Olympic dressage team. So we're talking about high-end animals here. It was my first job out of college, and by out of college, I mean the barn owner made me move up there literally the day after I graduated. In fact, she even wanted me to skip my college graduation. And that just gives you an idea of what kind of employer she was. Heavy eye roll energy here. I was hired as the farm manager, and when I what I click what I quickly learned that meant was I was a glorified stall cleaner, and for better or worse, before I knew how difficult she was to work with, I had convinced a friend I had graduated with to also move up there with me since they were hiring for two positions. I ended up moving in first, and then the friend had to go back for a prior obligation and then unfortunately got into a car accident. Totally fine, but it took her nearly a week to get back to the farm in Vermont, so I was there for quite a while by myself. Our apartment was in the barn, literally. Our hallway window looked out onto the horse stalls, which isn't out of the norm for some high-end barns like this. I did night checks every night about 9.30, 10 o'clock. Just one last check to make sure all the horses were healthy, safe, and had hay and water. The barn has an indoor riding ring attached to it. At the end of the ring was a row of stalls. So basically, at the end of the aisle, it opens up into a huge indoor riding ring all of which is dark at night because you don't want to disturb the horses by turning on lights. I walked up one side of the aisle, looking into each stall, crossed the opening of the indoor riding ring, and then checked the other side of that aisle on my way back. I had been there for about two weeks at this point, and I felt fairly confident in what I was doing. There was nothing tricky about this final check. On this particular night, as I walked past the opening into the darkness of the indoor riding ring, I saw a large chestnut horse canter by. The hair on the back of my neck stood up, mostly because it startled me, but also because of how vivid and bright the horse was. As I'm sure you know, your eyes lose their ability to detect color when you have limited light. It's closer to black and white and maybe some shades of color. This was a pitch black indoor riding ring with a daylight normal colored horse just running past me. Before I had time to process the color oddity, I ran into the ring, assuming a horse had gotten loose and was feeling its oats as it ran around. As soon as I got in there, I could see nothing, and I heard nothing. I spent a few more minutes looking, turned on some lights, checked every stall for the missing mystery horse, but nothing was out of place. The more I replayed the scenario in my head, the more confident I was I'd seen a ghost. I'm a rational person, though, so I questioned myself. Maybe it was my eyes playing tricks on me, but it just felt so real, and nothing crazy or out of the ordinary, just a horse cantering in a ring. The other worker that I dragged up there with me was still in Connecticut dealing with her crashed car. I knew her well enough to know she did not like ghost stories and was easily spooked, so I shrugged my shoulders and figured it'd just be another weird, maybe supernatural experience, and I left it at that. I never told her about it. Why bother? As I alluded to earlier, this was not the most pleasant woman to work for, so eventually, (laughs) my friend and I made plans to quit and go back to Connecticut. On our last night there, it was nearly the 4th of July, and we decided to drive the gator out into the hayfield and watch the fireworks and just vent and complain and laugh about this entire experience. She then turned to me and said, 
you're okay with ghost stories, right? I said, yeah, I am, but you aren't. And she said, well, now that we're leaving, I have a story I want to tell you. It's probably just a figment of my imagination anyways. And then she proceeds to tell me that after she got back to the barn from her ordeal in Connecticut, she was setting up feed buckets in the grain room, which opened up to the driveway between two smaller barns, and she saw a large chestnut horse casually walk by. She and I were usually the only ones there, and I was across the property doing something else at the time, so she just assumed a horse had gotten loose and scurried outside after it, only to find there was no horse. She looked around for a bit, but couldn't find anything, and there were no missing horses from their stalls. She incredulously tells me, I think it was a ghost. And by her description, we saw the same horse just about a week apart from one another. The next day, before we left, we ran into a boarder who had been there for nearly two decades. We didn't want to ask any leading questions, but we did ask if a horse had ever died on the property. She said nothing really came to mind, but there is only one horse buried on the farm, the last stallion they had, a huge chestnut who was so beloved and so wonderful to work with, they decided to lay him to rest on site at home. My friend and I looked at each other and knew we had just seen a friendly old soul muddling about. We both felt his presence. We both felt no harm, no threat. He got, gave off a horsey present and, <laughs> presence and nothing more, nothing less. Stay spooky, and thanks for listening, your friend, Catelyn. Thanks, Catelyn. That's kind of fun. That is fun. That, that's, that's definitely our first ghost horse. I know. We have had some other ghost... Dogs. Dog. Okay, yeah, yeah, like pets. Listen, it gave me hope. Like, when Penny and Gigi <laughs> go to the fluffy fur baby yeah. heavens, I, I want them to come back and hang out with me. Mm-hmm. I would be so... That's the kind of ghost I want to see. Yeah. If I'm going to have an experience that doesn't completely wreck me and enter me into... What do they call it? Grippy sock hell? <laughs> Uh, Grippy Sock Prison. Whoever yeah, said. I think Grippy Sock Prison. Is so funny. Um, I want to see our dogs. Yeah. I mean, I plan on having our dogs like cast in gold and like <laughs> making into them like weird little lines that mm-hmm. sit at our front door. But, <laughs> but yeah, that is uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's also weird. So my brain is just kind of like processing, like what is going. I keep thinking of like the Matrix breaking down. Sometimes my brain goes uh, to that place here on the show, uh-huh. where, like we're, like that whole simulation theory kind of thing, where you know none of this is real and this is all just some simulation ran by uh, a very advanced AI, you know, robots in the future. Uh, it's, it's kind of it's a crazy theory, but then I'm like, is this just glitches? Like glitches in the game? Where these things show up when they're not supposed to and, and artifacts from a previous time. It, it, I don't know. My brain starts to hurt. It's like a little Westworld, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, but just the totality. Like the longer, the, the further we go with, with this podcast, the totality just keeps getting bigger and bigger of all these stories, which just makes me want to know the answer so much more. But then I mm-hmm. like, most of the time I'm, I'm, I'm cool with just being at peace with like the mystery. Yeah. But some days I'm like, just fucking tell us. What's happening? Why Why is all this stuff happening? It's like somebody that's like planning a surprise <laughs> birthday party for you right. and you know something is up, but they're not giving and you're like, what is going yeah. on? What is happening with all these stories? Yeah. Yeah. What is the truth? Well, there can be more than one truth. But there's got to be an ultimate truth. Does there? Mm-hmm. It can't just all be perception. There has to be some objective truth out there. That's like, what, what is our universe made up of? Why, why do these things, why, why are these things possible? I don't know. So you say. <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> today, I'm very comfortable with the unknown. Ask mm. me next week how I feel. <laughs> but I, know I, w- t- I want answers today. I know. It ebbs and flows. Well, I think mm-hmm. like for me, 
since starting to do psychedelics with you, I do find myself like finding more and more peace with the unknown of just like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's all plausible. It's all possible. You know, just a couple weeks ago on the, um, uh, not that I was gonna say secret suck, yeah. uh, the bonus episode of Scared to Death, we talked a little bit about mm. like how this show has framed our thoughts about religion. And it's like, and even since then, I find myself feeling more like, I don't know, maybe there is something. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the more I dip more my spiritual, yeah, the more I dip my toe into the psychedelic world, the more I kind of think like, well, Lindsay, you don't have all the answers. Like you're not such a know-it-all. You know, there is mm-hmm. could be maybe something. I start to give into that a little bit more. So yeah. when when you're begging for answers, I'm kind of like, chill out, bro. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's a good space to be. It is and, and, and the am, afterglow. And I am very grounded in science, but you know, like, but also understanding science. It's like science is uncovering, just you know. Uh, unwrapping, if you will, like more mysteries or yeah. decoding them, you know, like all the time. And there's still so many mysteries that, that need to be unraveled still. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I just think some days like, what are they, what are we going to find? Where, uh, where is it all leading? I know sometimes I wish we could pause and let all the archaeologists work for like a decade mm-hmm. and then hit play. Because my concern right now, without like getting too upset about it, is that technology is advancing so quickly, mm-hmm. but archaeologists can't work that fast to find new things. And so I Wait, just feel, archaeologists study the past. Are you, I know, I know, but they're like finding, like they'll find mammals. and Gotcha, find, gotcha, like, gotcha. So that they can't operate and find out like where all these things come from in our past and our history. They can't dig literally as deep and as fast mm. as like technology is moving forward. So I feel like we keep getting further and further separated. Hmm. And so it's like this weird space for me where it's like, you know, you want answers, but like, I think you need the past to answer, you know, like, where do we come from? What's it all about? Blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, right? Like, it's all rooted in this, like, scientific history. And the the further that we advance in technology, it's sort of like, ah, it, they're like too far apart. So I just feel like hmm. eventually no one's going to give a shit about, you know, this woolly mammoth that they find at the bottom of some lake that's dried out because we used all the water. Right now, I don't give a shit about that woolly mammoth because he's not going to tell me the answers I want. But he might. He's a key to the answers. That's what I believe hmm. today. Oh, okay. I, I think that like all the things that happened before lead us to where we are now. Mm-hmm. And so there are clues and and pieces to the puzzle that we're still uncovering. I, I, I think that there's answers in the future that we haven't made it to yet. Like tech needs to advance to a certain point to be able to analyze things in a oh, in a way okay. that we've never been able to analyze before. Yeah, yeah. That hopefully will uncover something that we've never uncovered before. Do you want to meet or, in the middle on that? Yeah. Or or like you say, there's are people who believe that it's like there's some answer in the past. Like if you found the right ancient text and the right ancient Maybe. tomb, there'd be some like, oh my God. Yeah. I don't know. <sighs> to be continued. But that's why this the the show will never get boring. I know. The, the mysteries just keep coming. Mysterious universe. That's, that's a different podcast. <laughs> that, that is different. A good one. <laughs> it is a good one. You want to do some Annabelle shout outs? I would love to, Dan. Thanks. Uh, I'd like to thank the following Annabelles for helping us to donate to the Boy Scout camp this month, possibly to clean up our mess. Kenny Campbell, Derek Witzel, Brandy H., Kendall Lynn, Ashley Riggleman, Megan Kasanke, Matt Bavar, Jennifer Fix, Chris Knutson, Raymond Escobedo, Kara or Cara Calloway Lucier, Ella Owen, Matt Sanders, Eliza Herrera, Evan Plock, Sarah Brinsley, Sebastian Brown. I love the name Sebastian. Sabra Putnam Kimry. Oh man, Putnam, Putnam, 
Putnam, that's from Handmaid's Tale. Sorry about that. <laughs> Jonathan Cesari and Auja Swartz, A-U-J-A-H, Auja. I hope I got that right. Nice. Uh, I would like to thank the following Annabelles. Uh, Alina S., Billy. Oh, I, I nailed Billy. Woo! Uh, Chase uh, Pettengill, Kevin Kim. Also nailed that one. Heather Clark. Oh, I'm on a roll. Alisa Shaw. Amy Smith, crushing Woo! it. Look at you go. Christina Franco, Beth Scott, nailing it. Wyatt the Riot Payne, nice. Chastity Lingerfinger. <laughs> Chastity Lingerfinger, that's a good name. Might be real. Um, <laughs> How rude. Lorena, I just like Lingerfinger. I love that last name. Do you want to be Dan Lingerfinger? Lingerfinger, party of two. Oh, boy. Uh, Lorena Carmona, Caleb Anderson, Shelby Alcorn, Davine Ettinger, Christy Deemer. Anunnaki Warlord David. Nice. Uh, Samantha Nicewander. Josh Fountain. Scott Rasmussen. Zoe Heyman. Katie Filsell. And Christy L. Adams. I want Nicewander and Lingerfinger to get together. And then hyphenate their last names. Mm, Lingerfinger Nicewander. <laughs> that would be awesome. Nicewander Lingerfinger sounds... Provocative. Provocative. That sounds like a porn name, but like a, like a classy soft porn name. Uh-huh. Mm, like, it's not going to get too crazy with Nice Wander Lingerfinger. It's going to get a little steamy. <laughs> I heard a little a little <laughs> giggle from Logan. Uh, okay, I have a few spooky shout-outs, if you don't mind. To Deanna from Katie, happy birthday. To Paul from McKenna, I love you. To Brad and Dylan from Courtney, happy belated birthday, love you guys. To Aaron from Trina, I love you. Oh, boy. This is a hard word for me to say. To Amanda from Pernicious Clay. Did I say that right? Thank you for everything you've done for me and continue to do. I love you so much. Happy birthday. Pernicious. Pernicious. I can't. Pernicious? Pernicious. P-E-R-N-I-C. Pernicious. I-O-U-S. Do you want to see it? It's a hard one. It's her friend's nickname for her, and I'm like, man. I don't know. Pernicious, that's it. Pernicious Lingerfinger. Uh, that's our show. Thanks for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. You can email us for everything else at info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thanks to Logan Keith for his work on social media and to Logan again for running badmagicmerch.com. Uh, and thanks, Logan, for producing and directing today. Woohoo! Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation. Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails. Uh, book editor Drew Atana for polishing, preparing the listener stories for book number three. Thanks Which to you huh? should go buy it right now. Go, go buy the book. Go get it. Uh, thanks to Chastity Lingerfinger for having a sweet ass name. Uh, I found this week's first story. Thanks to producer Olivia Lee for finding the second. Subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube if you want to listen and watch the show. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want even more content at Scared to Death Podcast. And we have a private Facebook group, Creeps and Peepers for Horror Lovers. And if you don't want to hear any ads, if you want monthly bonus episodes and to contribute to our charity donations. Come hang out with us. Yeah. Come hang out with us. Maybe meet Lingerfinger. Check out our Patreon. Uh, get the entire catalog ad-free and so much more. And enjoy your nightmares, creeps and peepers. Hope you're scared to death. Bye. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but have no home here within scared to death. Bad Magic Productions. 